Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on October 24th, 2021, during our Sunday evening service. We have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 p.m. on Sundays, and our Awana program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. With me to Daniel chapter 3. What would the story of David and Goliath be without Goliath? What if God had answered the prayers of those who were faithful before David had to face Goliath on the field of battle? We would never have the testimony of his faith. We'd never have that display of God's power and might, which David says was a testimony to the whole world. David was taking a stand, not just for the nation of Israel, but to make a statement for the entire world of the greatness and the supremacy of the Most High God that Pastor Nick reminded us of this past Wednesday night. What would the story of Paul and Silas in prison be like if God had delivered them before they ended up shackled. If God had kept them out of prison, we would never have the testimony of the praise and worship from the pit of despair, shackled in chains as they're lifting up their prayers and their praise. All of those other prisoners would have never heard their testimony. And that jailer who was present there that night, when at midnight, God shook that prison and God took down those walls and God loosed all of those chains. And that jailer, because under Roman law, he was now going to be punished for every criminal's crime that it was to escape his prison. He was about ready to take his own life. And Paul stopped him and said, no, no, we're still here. We didn't run. We didn't try to escape. And you're going to see that jailer, that hardened soldier, that hardened Roman soldier. You're going to see him in heaven someday. Because God allowed Paul and Silas to be put in chains so that he could do the miracle of freeing them from those chains. And what would the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be? If God did not let them be cast into the fire. Oh, sometimes God delivers us before the trial. But often God allows us to go into the trial so he can bring us through it. 
and be glorified in how he brings us out of it. And that's the testimony that we're going to see tonight here in Daniel chapter 3, 4 in the fire. And I want to show you from the testimony of these three faithful men how to be faithful to God even in the shadow of Babylon. Now, so far, we have seen that God has allowed the nation of Israel because of their sin to be carried off into captivity. And among those who were carried off into captivity were four faithful young men, young Hebrew men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And their names were stripped from them just as their homes were taken from them. Their identities were attempted to be taken from them. But see, their identity wasn't in their culture. Their identity wasn't just in their ethnicity. It wasn't in their community. Their identity was in the one true God. And they couldn't take that from them. And so these four faithful men were faithful in the face of the threat of execution because they refused to take the king's meat, which for them would have been a sin because it was a violation of the Mosaic Covenant, the law of Moses. Now, we're not under the law of Moses. It wouldn't be a sin for us to eat the things that it would have been a sin for them to eat. But nevertheless, they purposed in their heart. Daniel specifically purposed in his heart as the leader of that group. And they took their stand and God was merciful and God kept them from trial. There was then in chapter two, a dream that the king was given, a dream of the future. And it troubled him and he, he couldn't even remember the dream as as we've all had that experience. You you have a, a weird dream, a troubling dream, and you you wake up and it's like you're trying to to hold on to it as it's slipping through your fingers. And it so disturbed him that he commanded all of the wise men and the sorcerers and the magicians of his day to come forward and tell him the dream and then interpret it. And of course, they could not. But there is a God in heaven who can do that. And so even though they were under threat of death, those four men gathered to pray as Daniel asked for time to pray and God answered their prayer and God revealed to Daniel in his own vision that the king had had this dream of the future and God gave him not only the dream but the interpretation and he gave it to the king and then God not only spared them from going into the execution chamber but God elevated all four of them, especially Daniel, to positions of great authority And then last week, we looked at that dream of the end times. And and remember what I shared with you last week, Daniel chapter 2, verse 4. We don't see this in the English translation, but you would have very clearly seen this if you were reading it in Hebrew, because in verse 4 of chapter 2, all of a sudden, the Hebrew disappears, and now Daniel's writing in Aramaic. And he continues to write in Aramaic all the way to the end of chapter 7. And at the end of chapter 7, Daniel records a dream that he was given directly about the exact same subject matter that Nebuchadnezzar's dream circulated around or involved. And then after Daniel gives the dream that he had, which was the same subject, the same events, just in a different format, and we'll we'll get there, we'll get to chapter 7, Lord willing. Then he switches back to Hebrew and he finishes the rest of the book in Hebrew. But what is God doing? He's telling us that here in chapters two through seven, that he is dealing with a time period from a Gentile perspective. He's dealing with a time period that Jesus himself in Luke 21 called the times of the Gentiles. 
We are living in the times of the Gentiles. We are, are thousands of years into the times of the Gentiles, but we are nearing the end of the times of the Gentiles because the signs are beginning to mount. And Jesus told us through the writer of Hebrews that you will be able to see the day approaching. And as we see the signs of the times, as we see the birth pangs, we understand that that, that, that time is coming quickly. So Nebuchadnezzar had this dream of a, of a great image, and we won't walk back through that entire dream, but he has a dream of, of a great image with a head of gold, and Daniel tells him, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, that image, the head of gold, represents you and represents uh, by proxy your kingdom, the kingdom of Babylon. And that kingdom is going to be replaced by a second kingdom, which will be replaced by a third kingdom, which will be replaced by a fourth and final kingdom. But that kingdom will be different because it won't be replaced. It will be, though, broken up. It will be divided. And that's the times that we're living in today. The divided fourth kingdom, where the powers of the fourth kingdom are divided and not so clearly seen. But they are going to become visible again in the very near future, I believe as we are now in the feet of iron mixed with clay. So how does Nebuchadnezzar respond to that dream? Well, if you look back just a few verses in chapter 2, the king, verse 47, the king answered unto Daniel, of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a, and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. Seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. He says, look, I believe your God is God, is a God. Now he's not there yet. By the way, I, I didn't plan it this way. Uh, I, I didn't plan it this way, but next Sunday is Halloween, and we're going to be in a very Halloween-appropriate text next week. We're going to see in Daniel chapter 4, if you want to sneak a peek and look ahead, we're going to be in a very appropriate story for the day of Halloween as we see what happens to King Nebuchadnezzar because he does not truly completely submit oh he he acknowledges god but he has not yet bowed the knee to king jesus and so he responds by praising god and he makes verse 48 he made daniel a great man gave him many great gifts made him ruler over the whole province of babylon chief of the governors over all the wise men of babylon and then daniel requested of the king he said shadrach meshach and abednego over the affairs of the province of babylon but daniel said in the gate of the king. And so now we come into chapter 3 and we see these three men in positions of blessing. God has poured favor out upon them. He's given them positions of blessing. But listen, a position of blessing, a, a season of blessing does not mean that times of trials aren't coming. It doesn't mean that tests of faith are not coming. And so before we get into chapter 3 and we look at being faithful to God in the shadow of Babylon, let me remind you what Paul says in Romans 15, verse 4. This is a verse I like to stop in. I can't, of course, do it every time we go into the Old Testament, but often when we go into the Old Testament, I like to take a pit stop in Romans 15, verse 4, because there Paul writes to us, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, speaking of the old, what we call the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, whatsoever things were written aforetime 
were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. The story that we're going to look at tonight is written as a historical event, but it's not just for historical curiosity. The point of this story is to give us hope through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures. Now, we like the comfort of the Scriptures. But the reason that many times we don't experience the comfort of the Scriptures is because we don't want the patience of the Scriptures. But Paul says, if you want to get to the hope, if you want to experience the hope, and you want to have comfort from the Word of God, you're going to have to accept that it's going to take some patience. That those blessings don't come when you snap your fingers. God is not a genie in the Bible, and that if you just rub your Bible a certain way, that the Holy Spirit's going to pop out and grant you whatever you want. That's not how the Bible works. That's not how God's promises work. But if you will endure and be patient, you will find the comfort that God has promised you and you will be able to experience the hope that the scriptures give to us. Now, with all of that said, let's look at verses one through seven. And let's see how Nebuchadnezzar responds. Not only to the dream that God gave him, but to the interpretation that God gave him. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof was six cubits. By the way, three score cubits, that's 60 cubits. And the breadth thereof, six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This is a pretty important event. You get all of these leaders, world leaders, who are under the authority of, of King Nebuchadnezzar, who, remember, God said, I'm going to make you king of kings on the earth. And he's gathered all of them together. This was no small event. It wasn't like they could even just all hop on a plane. I mean, this was, this was time intensive. This was costly to travel. He gets them all together, and what does he do? A herald cried aloud, verse 4, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music. Notice he mentions six different instruments there. Ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship, worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, Flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Now, let's talk about what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to do. Number one, they had to refuse the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Well, what was so unique about this image? Well, let's talk about idolatry for a moment and let's talk about heresy. You understand that Nebuchadnezzar is defying the dream that God gave him? 
You are the head of gold, but you're going to be replaced. Your kingdom's going to be replaced. And what does Nebuchadnezzar do? Oh, no, no, I'm going to set up an idol that's all gold. I'm going to set up an idol that's all gold. My kingdom's not going to be replaced. And I'm going to show my dominance over all of the world by commanding these people to bow down and worship this image and worship my gods. It was as if he was declaring heretically, God, your prophecy is not true. My kingdom will not fall. And notice he demands the worship not only of the image, but of his own pagan gods. Notice also that as part of his idolatry, and we're going to dive into this in in greater detail when we get into uh, Ephesians chapter 5, but music is a very important aspect of worship. We see it in Ezekiel chapter 28 when we read about the creation of God's worship leader in heaven, the anointed cherub that covereth, who became enamored in pride with himself and defied God and became the one that we know now as Satan. And because God, Worship is so important. Worship music is so important to God. Worship music is important to the devil as well. And he incorporates it into his own pagan worship as well. Psalm 150 talks about the use of many various instruments in praising God. God loves all different kinds of music. God is looking not just at the style, but at our hearts and at the content of the worship because he is the focus but the devil likes to use worship music as well and he likes to get in the worship music as well let's talk about history and prophecy for a moment an image of gold the spirit of babylon You understand that the spirit of Babylon is the spirit of Babel. The spirit of Babylon is the spirit of Babel. Turn with me for a moment to Genesis chapter 11. And let me remind you historically why this should sound somewhat familiar to us. A plain in Shinar, a plain in the province of Babel, a great image that has been set up all the nations gathered around this image it's eerily familiar to us because historically there was a time genesis 11 verse 1 after the flood that the whole earth was of one language and of one speech and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of shinar which is babylonia and they dwelt there and they said to one another by the way god had told them to be fruitful and multiply and scatter over the whole earth. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going we're to stop traveling. We're going to make a name for ourselves here. And they said, go, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they made brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth, what God had commanded them to do. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have 
all one language in this they begin to do and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do go to let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech and what a day that must have been so the lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city now on occasion my wife will speak to me in amharic in fact, one time she was speaking to me on my heart. She didn't realize she was speaking to me on my heart. And she's getting frustrated with me. And I'm looking at her like, I have no clue what you're saying. And she's looking at me like, why don't you understand what I'm saying? I know you don't always listen to me, but aren't you listening right now? <laughs> and then when, when she realized what she was, because she had been talking with her mom on the phone. And, and so then she started to talk to me. And it's hard to understand someone who's speaking a completely foreign language. And God used that event to get people to obey him, to get us to subdue the entire earth, to move around and cover the planet after the destruction of the flood. And so here we see this image. Now, it's not a tower, but the the spirit behind it is the same. Babel, Babylon, uniting the world against God. Uniting the world in defiance of God. By the way, as I shared with you last week, uh, Babylon, the spirit of Babylon has not gone anywhere. Daniel chapter 2 makes it very clear that the gold and the silver and the bronze and the iron and iron mixed with clay, that's not, that all of that, all of it is not going away until the second coming. So the spirit of Babylon is still active. Let me remind you what... John the Revelator tells us in Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17, and there came one of the seven angels, which had seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the the judgment of the great whore that sitteth, present tense, upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit, into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns now we see elsewhere and we're not going to take the time to unpack this prophecy tonight but we're seeing the fourth beast of Daniel's vision and we're seeing specifically the antichrist and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations, the filthiness of her fornication, and upon her head was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. See, all false religion goes back to Babel. And by connection, Babylon. And so we see both in history and prophecy that this event in Babylon is very significant. Let me talk to you just very quickly about mystery and secrecy. Did you notice that we saw the number six three times in Daniel chapter three in those first seven verses? Sixty cubits, 60 cubits high, six cubits wide, and six instruments are mentioned. Now, in I, I don't have time to develop this, but in what's called gematria or the or geomancy. Gematria is the use of numbers as a code. 
and geomancy is the pagan use of numbers to try to uh, to use numbers like sorcery okay in that pagan art form zeros do not count zeros are ignored and so you have a six and a six and a six in this text it's one of the first times we see the number it's not the only time but it's one of the first times we see the number 666 encoded into a biblical text there's a there's a mystery being hinted at here that is not really developed until we get all the way thousands of years later to the book of revelation hundreds of years for him thousands of years back for us There's another secrecy, though, here, another mystery. Where is Daniel in all this? When we get to the next section, look at verse 8. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he shall be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. But there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where is Daniel? Where's Daniel? Daniel doesn't tell us where Daniel is. Now, Daniel could have said, I was there and they didn't accuse me. We can ascertain that since he sat in the presence of the king, he was in the gate of the king, he was like second most important guy in the whole country, that he knew what was going on. If he was there, he would have been right there. He, he would have advocated for his three friends. We see after this event that Daniel comes right back onto the scene and he's still there and he's still faithful to God. Some people have surmised that he was on, sent away on a foreign mission, but he doesn't tell us that. And that's very significant because remember what we've learned about prophecy, that sometimes prophecy is presented is as a mystery. And sometimes prophecy is presented to us in strange ways. And I'm just suggesting, could this be what we studied a few months ago now, a midrash, a midrash is a Hebrew word, which means inquiring into, and it's when we start to, to look at pictures and images that have a prophetic significance. Could Daniel's disappearance picture the removal of the church before God's time of judgment? I would suggest that it does in a mysterious, encoded way, suggest to us that, yes, there will be believers who stand under the wrath of Antichrist, and God will bring them through the Great Tribulation, but there's also going to be that faithful represented by Daniel who will be taken out of the situation altogether. So we do know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship the image. And because of that, notice they had to confront Nebuchadnezzar's rage. You understand that because God is hated, if you follow God, you will be hated. You understand that because Jesus Christ, there are a lot of people who, oh, I believe in God, but don't talk about Jesus. You can talk about God, you can talk about prayer, but let's not talk about Jesus. 
We don't want to offend anybody. God, and specifically Jesus Christ, is hated. And so we should expect when we stand for Jesus Christ and we say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed to say that I was a sinner. Still am, right? But not in God's eyes. Because there was a time in my life when I recognized my sin, recognized I was damned, bound for hell, but that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for my sin in my place, paid my sin debt, rose again from the dead according to the Scriptures on the third day, just as, just as He said He would, literally, physically, rose from the dead and offered me complete forgiveness. No condemnation, therefore, now for those who are in Christ Jesus. And there was a time in my life I was just a child, not much older than Elijah. And I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I was forgiven. I was made a child of God. I was given eternal life. And so we see here that we, when we place our faith in God like that, we've chosen our side. And if we have faith in God, we don't need to have any fear of men. We need to make that decision. If my faith is in God, I don't need to fear the wrath of men. But the wrath of men is coming. Jesus said it himself in uh, several places. John 15 being one of them. John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Nebuchadnezzar did not appreciate his command being ignored. So verse 13 of Daniel chapter 3 Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They brought these men before the king. And even though he was angry because of his respect for them, he gave them another chance to compromise. How generous of King Nebuchadnezzar. Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my God? See, they didn't, he didn't have a problem with them serving Yahweh as long as he also served Bel. As long as they also served the pagan gods of Babylon. Satan doesn't care if you worship Jesus and Baal. He doesn't care if you worship Jesus and Allah or worship Jesus and some Hindu deity. He doesn't care if you worship a false Jesus. He only cares if you worship one God and one God alone, that being Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's where the problem arises. And so he offers him this chance. He offers these three guys a chance. You're not serving my gods. You're not worshiping the golden image. If ye be ready, I'm going to give you another chance. Verse 15, you hear the sound. If you worship not, though, I'm giving you one more chance. You'll be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And here is, oh, here's the statement. Here's the statement that God is going to shove back in his face. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? 
He's going to find out. He's going to find out in a few moments. And when we get into chapter 4, he's really going to find out. He's really going to find out who that God is. So they were willing to confront the rage, but notice also they didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to ask for time to pray about it. They already had made their decision. They made the decision when they decided not to bow. That we're not going to back down. Whatever the cost, we're standing faithful to God. And so what do they say in response to this? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. Listen, we're, we're, this is not our flippant response. This is something we've thought out. We've talked about this. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. You want to know who, who can deliver us from your great hands, O king? Oh, he can do it. Our God is able to deliver us, but, and he will deliver us. We believe it. We believe he is going to deliver us. But if not, even if he doesn't, even if we're wrong about what God is going to do, sometimes we feel so convinced that God is leading us in a direction, that God is going to answer our prayer in a certain way, and sometimes we find out that he's not chosen to answer the prayer. And there's been prayers I, I, that I prayed for people that I was so sure God was going to heal, I was so sure God was going to deliver them, and God chose not to deliver them in the way that I thought he was going to. But as Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, as he faces death, as he faces death, Paul says, God's going to deliver me. Through death, God will deliver me. So he, they, 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 had, uh, they had it either way. Either God delivers us from getting thrown into the fire, either God delivers us through the fire, or God delivers us through death. Because ultimately, what matters is not today, what matters is forever. And we compromise and we make things so, we wanna, we're so concerned about making things easier for ourselves for a day, a week, a month. We want to impress people that we may not even be friends with in five years. We may not even be connected with in 10 years. We may not even remember their name in 15 years. Think about people I used to work with. What was his name? What was his name? I used to see him every, I used to work with him everywhere. I liked him. I liked him. He was funny. Not as funny as Elmer, but I mean, he was funny. <laughs> Couldn't remember his name, though. They, re <laughs> they rejected Nebuchadnezzar's offer. Friend, do you understand that cowardice is the enemy of faith? Cowardice is the father of all compromise. And you may not realize this, but Revelation chapter 21, verse 7, cowardice is a capital crime in the kingdom of God. You realize cowardice is a capital crime? Why? Because it means that you don't trust God. You know, there's people who are going to die and go to hell. Because they're too afraid. What will my spouse say? What will my friend say? What would my 
boss say if I gave my heart to Jesus Christ? Cowardice is the enemy of faith. The enemy of saving faith. There are people who will die and go to hell because they were too afraid to trust in Jesus because I will lose all my friends. Do you understand there are men and women today in Islamic countries that are literally dying and they know it when they accept Jesus Christ, that they are accepting a death sentence. But they're smarter than most of us. Because as Jim Elliott once said, before he was martyred for the faith, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And our cowardice might not keep us, and if we're a child of God, it won't keep us out of the kingdom of heaven, but it'll keep us from a lot of blessings. It'll keep us from a lot of miracles that we could experience, but we're too afraid to follow God's leading. We're too afraid to stand for God, and so we miss out on the miracle. These men were not afraid oh i'm sure they were afraid but they weren't that afraid they were more afraid of god they had a healthy fear of their creator and they'd rather go into that fire and go stand before the lord and say we did not bow than to bow and to buy themselves sometimes but to be ashamed when they stood before the lord see our faithfulness to god must be unconditional these men had already chosen faith in god over freedom from pain over physical death over spiritual compromise and so every single one of us we need to count the cost and we need to make our choice jesus himself said if you want to be my disciple you need to deny yourself you need to take up your cross daily you need to follow me and you put your hand to that plow don't look back don't look back we need to press on they rejected Nebuchadnezzar's author, offer. And then notice what happens in verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You ever seen somebody transform in front of you in rage? I have as a social worker. I've seen, I've seen it happen in kids' faces. And I've told you before, I worked with one or two kids. And I've worked with hundreds of kids, but I worked with one or two that I think there was the, something demonic going on behind the scenes. And I looked at a kid one time and I absolutely believed that there was a, a demon inside of him looking out at me when I was dealing with him. Because I, I don't believe that any child can be that evil and that malevolent in just a few years. There was something ancient and evil that was looking at me. And I knew it in my spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit was affirming it in my spirit. Nebuchadnezzar intensifies his rage. He is twisted by his wrath and he intensifies the fire do you understand when you take a stand sometimes things are going to get worse not better you under, understand the fire is going to sometimes get turned up not turned down so just make so count the cost make your decision and understand you take a stand for god sometimes it's going to get pretty hot pretty fast now, we've had it really easy here. Mo uh, we, we've had it so comfortable here in America as American Christians. We have been spared what most Christians in the world today and what most Christians throughout history have had to endure. We have been spared for now. For now, we'll see what the next few years bring. But make your decision now. Because the moment they 
made their decision and made their choice, things got real serious real fast. But notice verse 24. They threw the men in the fire. It was so hot that the men that threw them into the fire were killed by the fire. So the men who were obeying Nebuchadnezzar are the one who died by the fire. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then, verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. Astonied is what it says in the King James. And rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors. Man, he talk about a roller coaster of emotions. This guy has gone from anger to twisted rage to jaw-dropping shock. And said unto his counselors, Did, didn't we cast three men bound to the... I mean, I was pretty angry. I mean, I was seeing red. Didn't we cast three men? Why is there four in there? Lo, I see four men loose, wait, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. See, again, God delivers us through all trials, but not from all trials. Oftentimes, he'll deliver us from them today, but always, always, whatever the trial is, always he'll deliver us for eternity if our faith and trust is in him. Because as Jesus promised us in Hebrews, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And he is right there. Whatever trial you're going through, he is there. He is with you. He has not abandoned you. He didn't promise that he would. Sometimes I used to sing a song. Sometimes he calms the storm. Other times he calms his child. But always he is there with us. They escaped the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God. It was Pastor Nick's message on Wednesday night. It was interesting how God coordinated those two messages, too, because he had planned to preach that a few weeks ago, and things happened, and, and he wasn't able to, 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 do, to cover that message until just this past Wednesday. Most high God, come forth. Come hither, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Came forth from the midst of fire, the princes, the governors, the captain. Now we got an audience again. It's not just the king here. This is a show that God has placed for the entire kingdom to hear about this. Because all of the leaders are right there and they're all about to head back to their to their various kingdoms and their various uh, principalities and being gathered together. They saw this man upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. I mean, sometimes there's restaurants I go to that I like, but I don't go there very often because I come out smelling like not like a diner. When I worked at Chick-fil-A, I'd come home smelling like Chick-fil-A. Every night. <laughs> and you might think that's a good smell when you're there at the restaurant, but it's not a good smell when you're driving home after eight and eight, uh, six hour shift, right? The smell of the fire wasn't even, couldn't even touch them. And, and Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve or worship any god except their own God. Now notice how God uses Nebuchadnezzar, the enemy of God, to bless 
the people of God. We see it in the book of Esther. We see it throughout the Old Testament. God using the enemies of God to bless the people of God. Therefore, verse 29, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Notice it's not his God yet. We'll get there next week, Lord willing. It's not his God yet, but don't make any anything, don't make any suggestion or any hint of anything offensive about their God. Otherwise, you'll be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God brings us through trials so that he gets the glory and we get the good. And that good, may not al- we may not always see it in this life the way that they did, but we, we'll see it forever. We'll see it in eternity. And so we need to focus on Jesus and trust him. Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 12. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is now he's at the right hand of God the Father. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Whatever trial God allows us to come up to, come up against, or go through, he will never forsake us. I'm going to ask Andy to come. We've gone just a few minutes over tonight, but I do want to give you the opportunity to respond. If there's, if there's a need that you have, if you need to, to pray with someone, You just need to pray at the altar or if you just have a a need uh, right there where you're standing, I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a a time of invitation just very briefly. But would you go with me to the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you for the faithfulness of these men, the testimony, God, the example that they have set for us. God, we don't know what lies ahead of any of us. Uh, We know, though, by by testimony, some of the trials and difficulties that you've already brought some of us through, some of our families through. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. But God, may we be ever mindful of your power and your love so that, God, we have no fear of man, but only fear of you because you're a great love for us. We do love you and thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and you would like to know how, please give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.